Good morning! It's a Monday morning on the Stats Matter podcast. Today we're going to be discussing uh, all the NFL action on Sunday. Some of it on Thursday, some of the news that came out. We got college sports with college basketball starting on Wednesday and having a big weekend of college hoops. Uh, Some movement in college football. And we're going right back to the English Premier League and the UEFA Champions League. This is the Stats Matter podcast. Today we're going to start off with the NFL. Um, Thanksgiving Day, the Houston Texans roasted the Detroit Lions, um, just like a turkey on Thanksgiving, uh, 41 to 25. Deshaun Watson threw for 318 yards and four touchdowns in the route of the Lions. The Washington football team defeated the Dallas Cowboys 41 to 16. That was a little bit of a shocker. I thought the Cowboys would win that game. Um, Antonio Gibson, the rookie running back, ran the ball for 115 yards, three touchdowns on the on the ground. And then we had quite a Sunday. Um, Atlanta Falcons winning over the Raiders, 43 to six. I did not see that coming, including a 67-yard pick six for Deion Jones. The Bills defeated the Chargers, 27 to 17. We have two touchdowns from Josh Allen, one in the air and one on the ground. The New York Giants defeated the Cincinnati Bengals in the toilet bowl on Sunday, 19-17. Not much uh, really there, uh, mostly a kicker's game for the Giants. Uh, the Tennessee Titans uh, took out the Indianapolis Colts, 45-26, Derrick Henry. Ran the ball for 178 yards and scored three times. Minnesota Vikings and the Carolina Panthers. Although Jeremy Chin scored two touchdowns on defense in 10 seconds. In fact, it was he returned a fumble for a touchdown. The kickoff uh, after that went through the end zone, so it was a touchback. The next play, he recovers another fumble for a touchdown. First player in NFL history on defense to do that. To do that on back-to-back plays. Unfortunately for Carolina, Kirk Cousins came back to throw for 307 yards and three TD passes and a 28-27 victory for the Minnesota Vikings. The Patriots beat the Arizona Cardinals in a knockoff win 20-17 with Nick Folk. Uh, kicking the game-winning 50-yard field goal as time expired. The Miami Dolphins sent the Jets to 0-11 as Ryan Fitzpatrick passed her 257 yards and two touchdowns in a 20-3 win. The Browns hung on against the Jacksonville Jaguars behind Baker Mayfield's 258 passing yards and two touchdowns in a 27-25 victory. The Saints beat the Broncos 31-3 with all four touchdowns to the Saints being on the ground. Um, no touchdown passes for either side. <laughs> so, And in fact, for Denver, uh, they didn't have any quarterbacks eligible on Sunday to play, so they brought a practice squad wide receiver in to play quarterback. Um, did not work out very well. In fact, the first half, they did not complete a single pass which we'll bring that up a little bit later in the show um, on the historic significance of that. 
The 49ers defeated the Rams 23-20. It was pretty much a battle of the kickers. Not much on offense for either side. The Kansas City Chiefs took out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Even though the Buccaneers tried to make a comeback at the end in the fourth quarter, Kansas City hung on with Patrick Mahomes throwing for 462 yards and three touchdowns. Tariq Hill had 269 receiving yards and three touchdown catches. In fact, if you look at the first quarter stats, Tariq Hill had seven catches for over 200 yards and two touchdowns in the first quarter. So you could say pretty much the rest of the game that they hit him just about locked down, but that's what happens in the first quarter when, frankly, you're, 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 you're not doing your job on defense. And on Sunday Night Football, the Packers took out the Bears 41-25 behind the four touchdown passes of Aaron Rodgers. Coming up tonight on Monday Night Football, the Seattle Seahawks will take on the Philadelphia Eagles on ESPN at 8-15. And on Tuesday night, we have the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers on NBC at 8 o'clock. That game was supposed to be Thursday night on Thanksgiving but was postponed due to COVID-19, was originally going to be moved to Sunday, and they moved it again to Tuesday after more positive tests. In fact, there have, there, there have been more test uh, positives in the Ravens squad, even on Sunday. So the likelihood of this game actually happening is becoming slim. Which the Ravens were supposed to play... I think they were supposed to play on Thursday night, if I'm, again... This week, so I don't believe they're going to be playing that game on Thursday night. What I've been told is if they do have to move it, that they will be moving that game to Monday night, Monday night at five o'clock next week. So as far as we know, as far as I know, uh, there have been 18 confirmed cases within the Ravens squad. Um, yeah. So that's our COVID news, along with the San Francisco 49ers received word from Santa Clara County, California, which that's the county that the 49ers play in and train in, that all their facilities must close and they cannot practice, they cannot host games under new rules in Santa Clara County. So now the 49ers are left without a place to train and left without a place to play home games and they have a game on Sunday and the following week as well. So yeah, so we're uh, we're gonna have or excuse me, they play Monday night next week and then they play the following Sunday. Excuse me. So and then also along with that, um, we had some firings over the weekend. Um, first, I'll get to Jacksonville. Jacksonville on Sunday night fired general manager Dave Caldwell who had been the GM since 2013. The Jaguars are um, have lost 10 games in a row. So you can say that it was... Yeah, I mean, I think they just went over a coaching change last year, so it's... And really, the personnel, the front office, has not been that great in Jacksonville. So... And the big one that I want to talk about the most here is the Detroit Lions... Fired uh, general manager Bob Quinn and head coach Matt Patricia. Patricia joins three other head coaches that have been fired from the Atlanta Falcons, um, Houston Texans, 
And I'm I'm blanking on the third one at the moment. Um so well if I remember that I'll uh bring it up. But yeah, so this was something where the Lions they in I believe it was twenty seventeen, yes, twenty seventeen. Lions coming off of a nine and seven year where they just missed the playoffs. They should have made the playoffs. They fired Jim Caldwell, the head coach. Bob Quinn said in this press conference that nine wins was not enough. When they hired Matt Patricia, he was a defensive coordinator for New England. Defensive specialist. Great coach there. Not the right guy for a head coach, though. Unfortunately, the first year they went 6-10, and ten, which we thought we'd be taking a step back, but, I mean, the first game they lost, like, 48-17 to 17 at home to the Jets on Monday Night Football, first game of the year. We gave up 38, uh, 31 points in the third quarter. My dad burned his only lion sweatshirt the next day. Like, he was so fed up. <laughs> so, um, they went 6-10 in 2018. They went 3-12-1 last season. So they won nine games in the last two years combined. And this year, they started off 4-7, and seven, including getting demolished on Thanksgiving. In fact, there's a photograph of the owner, uh, Sheila Ford Hamp, who's now the principal owner of the team as of about five months ago, taking over for her mother, uh, Martha Firestone Ford. There's a photo of her in the owner's box with both hands, like, covering her face in the fourth quarter. And I think that's probably when she was like, I'm... I mean, she she said that she was, she's was she been thinking about it for a few weeks, which, I mean, so she, re- she really wanted, like, she liked these guys. Like, I mean, they're probably nice people, but like she stated, they just didn't get the job done. And she's right. Um, and hopefully, like, the, the saying in Detroit is, the Lions won't win anything until the Ford family sells the team. Well, I think now that... William Clay Ford, he passed away a few years ago, and then his wife, Martha Firestone Ford, are no longer, like, in charge, and that they've handed it off to their children. Hopefully their children, who have never seen a winning team, on like, with Detroit, like, the Lions have never won anything under the Ford family. Like, if you look at it, I think they actually, like, have a motivation, like, hey, like, Let's do this. Like, we know we can do this. And it, I really liked what the owner had to say on during a press conference on Saturday. Um, so, yeah. So, they're now in the beginning stages of searching for replacements. Now, let's, uh, let's move over to college football. As a Michigan fan, I'm not going to talk about Michigan very much. I'm just going to state this. They lost to Penn State. They're 2-4. and four. Penn State moves to 1-5. and five. Um, Frankly, I'm done with Harbaugh. I won't be surprised if they let him stay one more year and I wouldn't blame him. They have one more year left on his contract. But you look at this. There are good head coaches out there. You got Hugh Freeze at Liberty who he just signed an extension but I mean, there are coaches all the time that sign the extensions with, like, a mid-major team. And then when a power conference team shows up, they usually are able to get bought out of their contract. Um, so there's Hugh Freeze at Liberty. 
There's Matt Campbell in Iowa State. I like him. Um, excuse me. Um, there's the coach at Coastal Carolina. Um, I'm not sure what his name is, but... I mean, Coastal Carolina is still undefeated. They got a nice game against Liberty coming up. We'll discuss a little bit more later on about that. So, I mean, Michigan has options. So, we'll see what happens. I wouldn't be surprised if it went either way. So, all right. So, on Friday, there were some games on Friday. Number two, Notre Dame, off to a rough start against number 19, North Carolina. But was able to survive and win 31 to 17. Number 13 Iowa State defeated number 17 Texas 23 to 20. Oregon State knocking off number 15 Oregon 41 38, scoring a game-winning touchdown with under 20 seconds to go. Number 24 Iowa knocking off Nebraska as usual 26 to 20. On Saturday. The Iron Bowl, number one, Alabama demolished number 22, Auburn, 42-13. Number three, Clemson demolishing Pitt, 52-17. Number six, Texas A&M defeated LSU, 20-7. Number six, Florida defeated Kentucky, 34-10. Michigan State knocking off number eight, Northwestern. It's really 23-20. But when they were doing laterals, the ball ended up being fumbled and rolled into the end zone. Michigan State jumped on it, so it's 29-20 the final. Number 9, Georgia smashed South Carolina 45-16 as they're also looking for a head coach down in Columbia, South Carolina. Number 12, Indiana defeated Maryland 27-11. Number 20, Coastal Carolina beat Texas State 49-14. Number 23, Oklahoma State won a shootout against Texas Tech, 50-44. Now, I'm not going over all the games or all the top 25 matchups. These are the ones that I wanted to focus on mainly. Because, um, I mean, there, there's a lot of college football. Like, and if I did a whole separate show for college football, I mean, let me know. Because, um, I mean, college football, college basketball, those are my two main... Uh, sports but I mean I also want to go over other sports um and I don't want to keep you guys here for hours on end um last show went a little long 53 minutes um normally I try to keep it at a half hour but it's probably gonna get stretched further now now that um I've added soccer and uh college football and college basketball are going on at the same time along with the NFL um, which is also why I haven't brought up really anything for Major League Baseball, NBA, and NHL. Um, mainly just trying to focus on the ones that are going on right now. And if any major news comes across, um, I will try to remember to write that down. Um, coming up, uh, let's see here. Oh, sorry. So... So in college football, we also had some more cancellations. Number four, Ohio State had to cancel their game against Illinois. Number seven, Cincinnati against Temple. Number 25, Tulsa versus Houston. Number 11, Oklahoma versus West Virginia. And Minnesota versus number 16, Wisconsin. All canceled. Um, 
unfortunately, due to COVID-19. Florida State also canceled their game against Virginia at the last minute again, back-to-back weeks, which is very frustrating for it happened to Clemson last week against Florida State where the game got canceled about an hour before kickoff. And Florida State just did the same thing to Virginia on Saturday. That's going to be frustrating if you're an opponent for Florida State. Because all these other cancellations are coming at least a day ahead of time. Some of them, in fact, I think Wisconsin-Minnesota was canceled like five days in advance. Like, honestly, you can't do that. Like, if you're, like, here's the thing. Both teams are there. Why would you cancel at that point? You probably have already, like, been in the same areas of the stadium within maybe minutes of each other. If you're that worried about it, you should have canceled it, like, at least a day in advance. And I'm hoping that the NCAA will step in, or the ACC will step in and discuss this with Florida State University. Um, I think there are some rescheduled games. I think Florida State has their game canceled next week as well. Um, I believe it was against Duke, and then... If it, if it was Duke, I think Duke got their game rescheduled to play Miami instead uh, for Saturday. And then, um, alright, so speaking of next week, um, we got some games here. We're not gonna, we don't have a lot of games next week. Uh, we still have quite a few, but not, not very good matchups, you for the most part. But I do have a few games I wrote down here. Um, number four, Ohio State taking on Michigan State. The Buckeyes, here's the thing though, the Buckeyes had COVID-19 in their program, which prompted the cancellation fr- Friday night, um, the day before they played Illinois. Uh, their head coach, Ryan Day, con- contracted COVID-19. It was announced on, f- I think, Thursday or Friday. And a couple more players and staff did as well. Here's the thing with Ohio State here. If they have to cancel one more game, they no longer are eligible for the Big Ten title. Which can, like, frankly, it's probably going to go to Indiana um, to go play in that game against uh, Northwestern. The way it's looking like. Number five, Texas A&M will take on number 22, Auburn. Oh, by the way, all these games are on Saturday. Um... There probably are a couple Friday night games, but they're probably not as important to think about. Number 12, Indiana. We'll take out number 16, Wisconsin. Indiana looking to... Like, their they're only losses to Ohio State. So, Indiana looking for a nice signature win here after they've beaten... They've beaten Michigan and Penn State, but both teams have had a rough year. This would be a nice win for Indiana. Uh, West Virginia will take on number 13, Iowa State. Uh, here's a good matchup. Number one, Alabama, LSU. Bama's going to smoke them. And then, actually, here we got a group of five matchup that's really caught my eye. And this would be nice if both teams was undefeated or were undefeated. Um, unfortunately, Liberty lost last week to North Carolina State. But Liberty will go on the road to play. 
uh, Coastal Carolina. Last I checked, I believe they were yeah they were ranked number twenty in the college football playoff rankings, which I don't have a new ranking for this week because the playoff does their release on Tuesday nights. So I don't have anything to bring in for you. But, um, I mean, that's just the way it is. <laughs> so I just felt Mondays was the best day for my podcast. And with the rankings coming out on Tuesday, I'll just use the previous rankings. Um, I think the rankings are going to stay a little bit about the same. I think maybe Ohio State and like Florida or Texas A&M will switch. Like I think Ohio State's going to drop a little bit because they did have to cancel again. Um, and Florida, they, they took care of Kentucky and Texas A&M. They struggled a little bit offensively against LSU. But, I mean, they've been off for three weeks. So I, I personally won't hold them against them. Their defense played great. Um, watching that game on Saturday night. My top three for the Heisman poll this week, I right now would give the Heisman to Kyle Trask of Florida. Outstanding. Uh, I actually put Alabama quarterback Mac Jones in instead of the wide receiver. I looked at the stats. That's pretty similar. Just Trask has more touchdowns and more yardage. Number three, at first I put Spencer Rattler of Oklahoma, but I realized, you know, I always, I always forget about the BYU kid, Zach Wilson. That BYU, I believe, was off this week. And so BYU, which I think was disrespected by the playoff committee, because I believe they put them at, like, number 14 in the country. I couldn't believe to see that. Like, I understood Cincinnati being at, like, number 7. But they put BYU at, like, 14. BYU hasn't lost a game yet. It's not like, oh, they've had a close couple close games or anything like that. No, like... Like, if I look at here, as I'm doing my research here, there's so much to know you sometimes get stuff for, uh, messed up with. <laughs> It'll just take a second. Okay, BYU, ranked 14 in the country, 9-0. They beat Navy 55-3. to the only game so far that's been postponed is the game at Army two weeks later. So then they're off three weeks. They play Troy and beat them 48-7. They play Louisiana Tech and win 45-14. Okay, they had a close game against UTSA, Texas-San Antonio, 27-20. That's really their only bad game. 43-26 over Houston. 52-14 over Texas State. 41-10 over Western Kentucky. A road win at 21st-ranked Boise State, 51-17, and a win versus North Alabama, 66-14. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and right now they're scheduled to play in two weeks versus San Diego State. And then that's it. They're an independent school. So they're, they only have one game left. I think the college football playoff committee needs to put them higher in the list. I'm not saying they should be in the playoff. I mean, they should at least be considered, though. Number 14 is not considered. That's a ridiculous ranking. So. But yeah, so I put Zach Wilson based off of his performances. 
at number three. And then the only college football news I've got this week uh, comes out of Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, uh, two things. One, they had the first. They were the first Power Five school to ever play a game with a female playing on their team. Uh, actually, in a game, they uh, took a soccer player named Sarah Fuller and asked her to do kickoff duties on Saturday. And uh, doing kicking duties. She only did one kickoff. And it was a squib kick. I'm not trying to bash her. I think it's pretty cool. She got a chance to play. Um, and hopefully she'll get a chance to like kick a field goal or something like that. She didn't get that opportunity. Vanderbilt lost 41 to nothing. So, <laughs> I mean, they, she didn't get a chance. It was just the one kickoff in the second half and that's it. I think it's still cool because... I think if you're able to kick the ball well, I don't care if you're male or female, if you can kick the ball well, you should be able to have a chance. Um, so yeah, and it really helps that she's a soccer player, because that's probably why she even got the opportunity. So, And then the other news out of Vanderbilt is on Sunday, they fired their head coach Derek Mason after seven seasons. They started 0-8 this year, and I believe they've lost 10 games in a row as well. I don't remember if that's the case, but I know for sure they started 8-0, or 0-8 this year, excuse me, 0-8, and, and, but here's the thing, Vanderbilt is in the SEC. People probably don't know that because, one, football program is usually not good, because, I mean, probably against other conferences, they're probably decent. Um... Number two, if you're not on a winning... Like, that's the thing. The SEC has 14 teams. Which, first of all, I think if you have 14 teams in your conference and you can't play everybody, I think that's ridiculous. Like, I look at this. Like, Alabama and Georgia, in the regular season, they're only scheduled to play each other once every eight years. If that's the case, you need to fix your conference. Or like every other year. Or every couple years or something like that. It should not be eight years. Unless you play each other in the conference title game. That's ridiculous. First of all, I don't think Missouri should be in the SEC. They should go back to the Big 12. I think Texas A&M should go back to the Big 12. But, I mean, I understand their chances in the SEC. I think if you're Vanderbilt... I say try to get into the, uh, I mean, you could say the ACC. I think the ACC has 14 teams as well. I wouldn't go to Conference USA. You can either stay in the SEC and suck all the time, or you can, frankly, go to the American, the American Athletic Conference with Central Florida, um, Memphis, like, there you go. Memphis and Vanderbilt would be a great in-state rival in Tennessee. But, I mean, that's that's their choice. Vanderbilt's football program is terrible. Every single year. <laughs> yeah, it's... I mean, in the Big Ten, you look at it as like... They're kind of... Like, I mean, Northwestern's more relevant, though. 
or Purdue's more relevant in the Big Ten. They at least, like, every once in a while, they'll have a good team. They're usually not that great, but they, I mean, Northwestern's been pretty good the last couple of years. Purdue, not so much. Um, Rutgers has been, see, like, Vanderbilt is like the Rutgers of the Big, of the SEC. Rutgers is terrible in the Big Ten. Like, yeah, they're their basketball team played great last season, which I'll give them credit. But before that, I'm sitting here like, why are they still in the Big Ten? They're, they're terrible at everything. Their basketball team right now is saving that opinion that they should stay in the Big Ten. First of all, they're in New Jersey. They're nowhere near the Midwest. Neither is Maryland. Like, I don't know why. Rutgers should go back to the American. Maryland should go back to the ACC. I think Penn State is a stretch because they still have that blue-collar mentality like a lot of the Midwest has. Whereas Rutgers and Maryland, they do not. Alright, so enough about that. So, yeah, so Vanderbilt fired their head coach. So there's another job opening there. College basketball. So, this is what I'm going to call... The biggest blowout of the week. Meaning, this is the biggest deficit or the most insane score of the week. And this comes from a game between Sanford University and Division Three Greensville University in Greenville, South Carolina. Sanford in an exhibition game on Wednesday. So this doesn't even count for the record. Which I'm kind of bummed out because that's why I couldn't find the score at first. But Sanford defeated Greenville 174 to 99. Get this, they play 20 minute halves. Two 20 minute halves, so 40 minutes. The NBA plays 48 minutes in total, like 12 minutes a quarter. Nowhere in the NBA, unless it's an all star game, can you get. Anywhere near 174 without playing like five overtimes. And maybe even six. Sanford scored 174 points in 40 minutes. In fact, it was 99 to 50 at halftime. But you have to look at it. Greenville is a Division 3 program. That's not like Division 2. No, they're Division 3. Barely, apparently. So, and then Sanford, for our stats um, here, they had 10 players scoring in double figures, uh, meaning 10 points or more for themselves. All right, so we had some we had some busy weekend in college basketball. Number three, Villanova won a close game against Boston College, 76-67. Number 8, Illinois destroyed North Carolina A&T 122-60. That was going to be my blowout of the week if it wasn't for the Sanford game. Uh, number 18, Arizona State won a close one against Rhode Island 94-88. Um, which, this was the game that was replaced because number 18, Arizona State was supposed to play number 2, Baylor. But Baylor had to cancel their game over the weekend. And San Diego State defeated number 22 UCLA, 73-58. On Thanksgiving Day, there wasn't too much action, but number one Gonzaga took down number six Kansas 
was a close game until towards the end. Gonzaga won 102 to 90. Number three, Villanova knocked off number 18, Arizona State, 83 to 74. And number 15, West Virginia hung on against VCU, 78-66. On Friday, another busy day. San Francisco upsetted number four, Virginia, 61-60. Number five, Iowa defeated Southern University, 103-76, with Luca Garza scoring 36 points in the first half alone. He scored five more in the second half and got a lot of rest time. Number 8, Illinois survived against Ohio, 77-75, and a close one there. On Saturday, uh, Virginia Tech knocked off number 3, Villanova, 81-73 in overtime. On Sunday, a little bit busy day, Richmond knocked off number 10, Kentucky, 76-64. Uh, number 17, Houston, defeated number 14, Texas Tech, 64-53. And number 25, Michigan, hung on against Oakland, 81-71 in overtime. Trust me, Michigan did not look that great on offense in the first half. They did pick it up in halfway through the second half and was able to hang on and win the game. Our key games for this week... On Tuesday night, we got the Champions Classic matchups, which they're going to be played at. They won't play like a neutral location like Chicago, like they usually do. Um, number 13, Michigan State will travel to Durham, North Carolina to play number 9, Duke. And number 10, Kentucky will take on number 6, Kansas. On Wednesday, number 15, West Virginia will take on number 1, Gonzaga. And number 8, Illinois, will take on number 2, Baylor, pending if Baylor can play games. They haven't been able to, really. Saturday, this is going to be a big one if they can play this. Number 1, Gonzaga, versus number 2, Baylor. That one uh, is at a neutral location. I believe it's Indianapolis, Indiana. And on Sunday, number 3, Villanova, will take on number 19, Texas. Alright, so now we're getting to some soccer here. Um, this is the part where I'm still learning the process of soccer. But I've been very fascinated with it for about probably about six months. Like huge fascination of it in the last six months. Been kind of a fan for it for about over a year now. About a year and a half, but I've been really fascinated in the last six months. Um so we're going to a quick overview. There's only like 10 games a week, like a weekend. So it's really easy to actually like watch them because um, they do it at different time slots uh, for each game. So on Friday last week, uh, Newcastle United defeated Crystal Palace 2-0. On Saturday, Brighton and Liverpool drew 1-1 with uh, uh, Gross for Brighton. Tying the game with a penalty kick goal in stoppage time to end, end the game in the draw. Manchester City defeated Burnley 5-0. Uh, Leeds United defeated Everton 1-0. West Brom beat Sheffield United 1-0. With Sheffield United, they've played 10 games. 
So a win is three points in your standings. A draw is one point. A loss is zero. Sheffield United in ten matches has one point. Which is, at this point of the season, the worst start in English Premier League history. No team has ever had just one point after ten matches. So, I mean, Sheffield United, they're, they're in big trouble because as English, or as um, European football leagues do this, is when you have multiple leagues in your, in your system, like in England, uh, the top three in each league advance. Of course, the top league gets a little different because you're in the top league. This is the top league in England. But the bottom three get relegated to the league below. So in this case, Sheffield United is in trouble because it's not like in America where like we can do the whole tank for two uh thing that they were doing in Miami or like this year it's for the Jets it's tank for Trevor. Um no, you you, you can't do that because one, you don't do they don't do drafts. And two, there's no tearing down and rebuilding like it is here because they depend on the market system in England and in other parts of the country or in other parts of Europe where they do this uh, system. So, yeah, so Sheffield United is in big trouble, losing 1-0 to West Brom. Uh, on Sunday, Manchester United, big comeback win against Southampton, 3-2 to with... Uh, Edison Cavani, he scored the tying goal in the 74th minute and then scored the game-winning header in stoppage time to defeat Southampton 3-2. Chelsea and Tottenham uh, ended up in a draw 0-0. That was kind of an irritating game because there's so many chances for both teams and nobody could score. But a good game between two of the top three teams in the league. Uh... Wolves ended up beating Arsenal 2-1. And on Monday at 12.30 Eastern Time, Leicester City will take on Fulham. And at 3 o'clock Eastern Time, West Ham United will take on Aston Villa. So, and our man of the week, as we pick a player who did well over the weekend over all the other players, was Rahid Mahrez. Uh, for Manchester City scoring a hat-trick in their 5-0 win over Burnley. So, and then our key matchups of the week in the English Premier League. Let's see here. We've got, we got West Ham versus Manchester United on Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Chelsea versus Leeds at 3 p.m. Eastern time. On Sunday, we got... Let's see, we got Tottenham versus Arsenal at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time on Sunday. And Liverpool versus uh, Wolves at 2.15 p.m. Eastern Time. If you want to watch English Premier League games, uh, in English you can watch them. Like, it'll be either on NBC Sports Network. Uh, there's usually one game on a Saturday, one game on a Sunday on NBC. And then on they also have a couple games a weekend on their new streaming service, Peacock. Um, that one requires a payment subscription, 
believe it's five bucks a month. Although, like, if you're, like, when I started watching Peacock, I'm watching the shows, they say it's free. Like, the, the TV shows are free. It's the, like, the live stuff, like the English Premier League, like, you have to subscribe to. So that's a little different. Depends on, yeah, so that's just a tip uh, if you're interested in doing that. Um, top five teams at the table in the English Premier League. I don't do my own rankings because it don't, my rankings don't matter and there's not really a ranking system. The top of the table is, it's a, it's table is uh, standings. In soccer, they use the word table instead. At number one is Tottenham at 21 points. They have the tiebreaker advantage over second place Liverpool, who also has 21 points. And number three is Chelsea with 19 points. Number four is Leicester City at 18 points, which they have a chance to um, tie that up today at the top of the table as well this afternoon against Fulham. And then number five is Southampton at 17 points with a tiebreaker over Wolves, who's in six at 17 points. And then our UEFA Champions League. So... This one's going to be, I'm going to try and go through this quick. Um, <laughs> this is, uh, I have a full page of notes here just on this. So, as I explained last week, this is uh, four teams in one group. And there's eight groups. The UEFA Champions League. Um, each opponent plays each other once at home and once on the road, so twice. Um, currently, how they do it is each, so they do this in match days where it's a Tuesday or a Wednesday you play. And this week will be match day five, which will be Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, last week, uh, on Tuesday in Group E, uh, Chelsea defeated Rennes 2-1 with Olivier Giroud coming off of the bench with the, with the game-winning goal in stoppage time to win 2-1. Um, to clinch a spot into the round of 16, you know, the knockout stage. In Group E, also uh, Sevilla defeating Krasnodar 2-1 with El Hadedi uh, scoring the game-winning goal in stoppage time as well. They're, they're both in Group E, um, both clinching uh, into the round of 16 because Chelsea and Sevilla have 10 points each. Whereas Ren and Krasnodar have one point each. So we have two games remaining for each of those clubs. Um, there's no possible way for Ren or Krasnodar to catch up. So which actually, by the way, if there's a tie, the goal differential is, a, is a, the tiebreaker. But also, like so Sevilla and Chelsea, if they were still tied by the next time they play, they're still going to try and win those games. Because the way it works is they do a draw for your round of 16 opponent. And you still get to play two games, one on the road, one at home. But there's a significant advantage to winning your group is I believe you're either, you. I think you get the option. I'm, I'm not sure what the advantage is, but you you're automatically put in a list, and there's a there's a small advantage that I've not been able to do my research, but there is an advantage to that. 
Um, all right, so we continue. Uh, group F, Dortmund, Borussia Dortmund defeated Club Brugge uh, 3-0. Um, Haaland scored two goals for Dortmund. Lazio defeated Zenit St. Petersburg 3-1 with Immobile with two goals. Um, which in Group G, or no, Group F, excuse me, uh, St. Petersburg Zenit uh, has officially been eliminated after the group stage will, is completed. Uh, in Group G, we had uh, Barcelona defeating Dynamo Kiev uh, 4-0 with Breath White with two goals um, to clinch a spot into the round of 16. And Juventus defeating... Ferenzavas, uh, 2-0, excuse me, 2-1 with Marada scoring the game-winning goal in stoppage time, which also clinched the spot in the next round for Juventus when it's all said and done. In Group H, uh, Manchester United with a bounce-back win over Istanbul, uh, 4-1. Bruno Fernandes scored two goals in that game for Manchester United. And Paris Saint-Germain uh, defeated RB Leipzig 1-0 with Neymar scoring a penalty kick goal early in the match. Now, not all the groups have had... In fact, that's really the only movement like within clinching and disqualification... Or not disqualification, but uh, elimination decisions were mostly on Tuesday. There were a couple on Wednesday um, in Group A. Atletico and uh, Lokomotiv Moscow drew 0-0. Uh, and Bayern Munich defeated RB uh, Red Bull Salzburg 3-1, which Bayern Munich officially clinched their spot into the round of 16. But Atletico, Lokomotiv Moscow, and uh, RB Salzburg all can compete for the second spot in that group. In Group B... Let me get this right. I'm going to try and say this. Borussia Mönchengladbach defeated Shakhtar Donetsk 4-0 in Group B. And sorry if I butchered any pronunciations. Um, I'm not very good at different pronunciations, except especially when I'm not even sure what which country the team is from. I'd have to do some research to pretty much help myself with some. I know Mönchengladbach is uh, German, Monk and Gladbach. Uh, yeah, so that's German. Uh, Inter Milan lost 2 0 to Real Madrid. Um, so far, all teams are still eligible to try and uh, pull this thing out in Group B. In Group C, Manchester, Manchester City defeated Olympicos 1 0. Uh, Olympicos is in uh, Greece, which that actually clinched a spot with the win for Manchester City into the group of 16. Uh, group of 16. Uh, FC Porto defeated Marseille 2-0. Um, in that game, there was a one red card on each team, um, which actually on the day on Wednesday, there was five red cards issued across the Champions League, um, which on Tuesday there was zero. 
Um, but there was one on each team in this game, which a player that gets a red card gets the squad like is thrown out of the game in a sense. Um, and the other team cannot replace that player. So there's 11 on each team. So each red card, by the end of the game, there's 10 people on each side. Um, so, and then in Group D, Ajax defeated Midtjylland uh, 3-1, eliminating the Denmark team uh, Midtjylland, um, who have lost all four games this season, whereas the other teams in the group are still neck and neck. Which, Atalanta defeated Liverpool 2-0, with both goals coming in the 60th minute and the 64th minute. So a couple quick goals for Atalanta to put them back into the races against Liverpool and Ajax. Um, I don't. I'm not doing a man of the match for the UEFA Champions League because that in itself is a whole other thing. Um, so it's such a tough competition. Competition, but so this week's matchups will be taking place on Tuesday, December first, and Wednesday, December second, and. With it being the end of the group stage coming up, um, next week as well, uh, the final set of games in the group stage will be on December 8th and December 9th on Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, group of 16, they don't have the dates released, but that will be probably sometime in January or February. Uh, they had the draw for that, I believe, on December 14th to decide who's playing who, and then they'll figure out the dates from there. Alrighty, so as soon as I finish this question, this will be uploaded to my Instagram story. Um, so go follow uh, at wool underscore island ref on Instagram. So it's W-O-L underscore I-S-L-A-N-D-R-F. Or R-E-F, excuse me, not R-F, R-E-F. So it's W-O-L underscore I-S-L-A-N-D-R-E-F. Don't forget to add in front of it, otherwise you might not find me. But yeah, go ahead and hit that follow button. Um, you also go to um, my Facebook page as well. Uh, the Stats Matter podcast, just research that. It literally, like, it's, it literally says it's in blue letters, with a green background. Um, yeah, this show also, um, if you make it to the end of this show, that's great. Um, and a couple things I want to bring up is I do have the question of the week, uh, which I'll get to in a second. But first, I want to bring up uh, Charity. I do here in Southwest Michigan. Um, currently, what I do is collect pop cans, um, which I know sounds crazy for people outside of Michigan, but we get 10 cents when we return our pop cans. And how I do this is I collect cans from other people and myself. And the way this charity works is all the money that comes through this program goes to Word of Life camps in New York for camp scholarships for kids who are not able to afford to go to camp can go to camp. There are many kids. In fact, actually, I benefited this once as as a as a teenager. Um, in fact, I was able to get it within a week uh, before camp. Um, 
In fact, even then, like five days before camp, I still had no idea if I was going because I hadn't even signed up yet. I hadn't even discussed it. I just found out five days before. was able to confirm it about two days before I had to leave. It was amazing. I had an amazing week at camp. It was great. Definitely a life-changing experience. And in fact, I still do stuff. I, I am usually there at camp the last... Before this pandemic, I was there the last five summers working on staff at one of their camps in New York. And maybe I'll be there next summer. Maybe I won't. We'll see. But what I hope to do is be able to give back in a way where I can use the extra time I have to grab pop cans, to go return them. I have a whole jar, and currently it's about $410 for a week of camp. There's a ways where you can donate for one day of camp, maybe a couple days, maybe a half a week, a full week, a couple weeks. Um, if you go to camps.wool.org, C-A-A, or www.camps dot w o l dot o r g and yeah and then you'll find uh yeah and you can find the details there um if you would like to donate on your own if you like to um if you live in Michigan you can contact me uh through pretty much all social media Facebook Instagram I don't really do Snapchat. I don't have it on my phone right now. Um, probably won't <laughs> for a while because it's not my thing. Um, I am on Parlor though, um, the new social media um, trend. So, but yeah, I hope you guys um, that, that for you guys that it will be a blessing, and that hopefully um, right now we've currently like with camping $410 a week per kid we've been able to raise $500 towards these kids and it's only October and or it's only November excuse me uh, and we've been doing this for about a year it was a little slow last year and then when the pandemic hit it was, you couldn't do anything so this is pretty great um, news and I'm hoping to have either two or three more scholarships ready to go by May or June of next year so if you guys are interested um, you can just go to the website I mentioned before uh, camps.wool.org for more information on camps and how you can be involved um, whether that's financially or even volunteering uh, to work at camps um, this is not a paid sponsorship, by the way. Um, just want to throw that out. This is all like, hey, I'm all for bringing in uh, great opportunities for people. So, yeah, so after that, here we go. Let's um, get to our trivia question of the week, which we're going to bring up the Denver Broncos game again. The Denver Broncos on Sunday did not complete a pass in the first half. Which NFL quarterback before Sunday was the last to not complete a pass in a half in an NFL game? That is your trivia question of the week. Your options are either 
Terry Bradshaw, Brett Favre, Tim Tebow, and Tom Brady. I will have that posted in just a few minutes on Instagram. Uh, by the time you hear this, it will definitely be up by then. So I hope you guys enjoyed this, and we'll see you again next week.